0: Hello everyone, this is Jerome, I serve as a community pastor here at First Christian Church. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I'm so glad that we get to serve you today through this message. God bless you, let's get into the Word. Well, good morning FCC and those of you who are online, good morning. Now, I understand that there is a football game this afternoon, and I know always on Super Bowl Sunday, it's hard to concentrate on the message. So I'm going to do you a favor here. I'm going to make a bargain with you. I'm going to tell you a Super Bowl story that you can tell at your party this afternoon. And in exchange, I'm going to ask you if you would just concentrate on what we're going to share during the message. How's that for a deal? So here's the story. Guy's sitting at the Super Bowl, and he notices that the seat next to him is empty. And he thinks to himself, well, that's rather strange since these tickets cost... $1,500 a pop. So he he looks at the guy next to the empty seat and he says to him, do you know who's supposed to be sitting here? And the guy says, yeah, a long time ago I bought my Super Bowl tickets for me and my wife, but she passed away. And the guy said, well, couldn't you find somebody else? Want a friend to sit in the seat for you? And the guy said, "Uh, yeah, but they're all at the funeral. Okay, uh, those of you who don't get it, somebody will tell you afterwards, all right? <laughs> all right, uh, let's start today. We're going to be looking at the four chairs in four-chair discipleship, which is, which is an adventure that FCC is going to be on for the next three years. And we're going to be looking at these four chairs. And uh, very likely, you all are sitting in one of these four chairs. And at at different phases in my life, and I've been in the ministry for 50 years, I've sat in all four of these chairs. So I'm going to introduce them to you again just by retelling the story of Simon and his buddies. So it starts off this way. Simon met Jesus when, when Simon was sitting in chair one, the seeker's chair. Simon was a disciple of John the Baptist, and John was this this prophet who was preaching in Israel that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that got Peter's attention, Simon's attention, and he wanted to know more about who this man was, what he was saying, so he followed him and became his disciple. Uh, Simon, the fact that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, meant that the Messiah, the promised one of Israel... The Savior of Israel was soon to be revealed. Well, one day, Simon's brother, Andrew, who is also a seeker, comes to Simon and tells him some very exciting news. He says, Simon, we have found the Messiah. Well, Peter says, how did you do that? He says, well, well, we were with John the Baptist, me and John, and and, uh, all of a sudden, Jesus walks by. And John the Baptist points at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. So John and I decided we'd follow him. And so we, we followed after him. And he turned around and he said to us, uh, what, are you, uh, what are you doing? And they said, uh, They said, We're 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 looking for you. Can we follow you? And, Je- and Jesus said, Come and see. And what he was saying is, hey, come and hang out with me. So Simon's brother Andrew and and John went and hung out with Jesus and Andrew comes back convinced that this indeed is the Messiah, the promised one of Israel. So he does what a good new believer does. He goes and finds his brother, also a seeker, Simon. And he says, Simon, we we found the Messiah. Come and see. And so he invites Simon to come and see uh, Jesus as well. And When when Simon comes to see Jesus, Jesus looks at him, and he says, He says, you are Simon, son of John. Uh, You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And it means the rock. Jesus was saying to Peter in a very empowering way, he he says, Simon, one day you're going to be called Rocky. You're going to be the rock. Well, the next day, Jesus invites his new followers, including Andrew and Simon, to leave for Galilee with him. He's basically saying to them, come hang out with me some more. Come and see some more of me. And so they go with Jesus, they head north to Galilee where they all live, and they stop in Canaan. And in Canaan, they they, they, see a, they go to a wedding, and at this wedding, Jesus turns Seven big jugs of water into wine. Whoa. Now you and I, we kind of sit here when these miracles go. We just kind of sit here. I heard this story when I was a kid. But think about it. Seven jugs of water become the best wine you've ever drank. Whoa, say his disciples. And John says that day his disciples believed in him. Peter became a new believer. He moved from chair one, the seeker, to chair two, the believer in Jesus Christ. The next, next, Jesus takes his little group of new believers on a short-term mission trip in John chapter 2. How many of you have ever been on a short-term mission trip? Well, that's what Jesus is doing now. He says, guys, let's take a short-term mission trip. We're going to go down to Judea. So they go down to Judea with Jesus, and they see Jesus doing some even more amazing things. They see him doing sign miracles. And and as he does them, people around look at them and they begin to believe in him. Wow, this man has miracle power. They had miracle faith. They see Jesus go into the temple and he gets so angry at all the money changers that that are there, all the buyers and the sellers, that he gets angry, he makes a whip and he casts them all out. And he says... This is my father's house. They go, whoa, what kind of man is this? Next, they see Jesus talking to one of the religious leaders of Israel, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a secret seeker. And he comes to Jesus and they watch as Jesus tells Nicodemus, You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. You must believe in me and put your trust in me and you will have eternal life. And they go, whoa, who's this Jesus? And then on their way home, they don't take the usual route around Samaria. They go right through the, 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 the country of Samaria the despised people. And they see Jesus present himself as Messiah and invites Samaritans into the kingdom of God, if they would just believe in him, and they go, whoa. They return home to Capernaum, and they are changed men. They have seen very much. They have had a taste of being with Jesus. They've developed a a deeper, more trusting, a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus was God's son. Jesus was Savior. Jesus was Lord Their Lord. They knew him personally. It was like they were traveling at a thousand miles an hour, and now they're back to fishing, and it's back to 25 miles an hour. And things have slowed down for them. Jesus, though, next invites Peter, Andrew, James, and John to move to chair three, which we could call the disciple chair, the chair to be a disciple, or the worker's chair, or I like to call it the apprentice chair. Because this is the chair where they are going to learn to be and do what Jesus did. The four have been net fishing on the Sea of Galilee, you remember. And from shore they hear a voice. And this voice says to me, come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men, women and children. And they look up. And they see Jesus. And this is the invitation they were secretly hoping for. To follow Jesus as his full-time companions. To do some fishing that would count for eternity. Fishing for men like Jesus was doing. How could they turn it down? And we read at once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, chair four, there's only one person at this point in the story who is sitting in chair four. And that is Jesus. It is the... It is the fruit bearer's chair. Can we move the slide to the next one, please? The disciple maker's chair. And only Jesus is sitting in this chair because Jesus has made disciples. He's born fruit, Andrew, James, John, and others who have come to believe in him. But Jesus is now going to teach his disciples to move to chair four, the disciple maker or the fruit bearer chair. So those are the four chairs. And every one of us is sitting in one of those chairs today. But my job this morning is to take a closer look at those sitting in chair one, the seeker's chair. Now, in order to do this, I thought it would be good to tell you another story about another group of seekers. And these are found in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you or you see one on the pew rack there, just take it out and open it to John chapter 6. And I'm going to take you rather quickly through the story in John chapter 6. Jesus and his twelve are on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, up north. Many people were witnessing the signs he was performing by healing the sick. Now again, we just kind of sit there like, oh yeah, I've heard this story before. But think about it. What would you do if you were in a crowd of people and you saw a person whose leg was Utterly paralyzed. It, it, was, it had been paralyzed for years, and so there was no, nothing but skin and bones on that leg, and Jesus says, be healed. And you watch as muscles start to form on that leg. Whoa. And then you see muscle form here, and then you see that joint go, ooh. And then you see the person put his weight down on it, and then start jumping up and down. You would be sitting here just like this. I heard this story. No, you go, Whoa! what is this? What is going on here? And then you see a man who's been blind since birth, and Jesus just puts his hand on the man's eyes, and he says, have sight, and the person sees. And you go, oh, wow, who is this man? What is his story? Where did he come from? What does he have to say to us? Because the miracles Jesus is doing, there are seekers who begin to follow him. In fact, there are so many of them, there are so many of these seekers, that there are over 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, who are following him along the shore of Galilee. They have what, these, these followers of Jesus at this point, have what I call miracle faith. Miracle faith was the belief that Jesus could do miracles. They had seen him do it, And they believe he could do more. So they're going to follow him to see if he could do more miracles. Now that's what some some of you have. Your faith in Jesus today is miracle faith. You believe that Jesus can do miracles. But miracle faith is not the same thing as saving faith. Eternal life faith. Which is trusting Christ not to do miracles, but for Jesus Christ to give you abundant and eternal life. They didn't have that yet. And Jesus knew it. So they follow Jesus to a mountainside and they want to witness more signs and more wonders. And then Jesus performs an incredible sign, an incredible miracle by feeding them all with just five loaves and two fish. We're still sitting here like this. Think about it. You're you're watching Jesus, and Jesus is taking a loaf and he's breaking out pieces of bread off this little loaf, except he's doing it for 45 minutes. And then he takes another one, 45 minutes, until you get it, and you eat it, and you say, whoa, I am absolutely full. And then he passes out the fish. "Mm, Great dinner. Wow, I have been, how did he do that? And then they begin to think, You know, we know somebody else who did a miracle like that. His name was Moses, and he would have manna come down from heaven, and that manna would feed the the people of Israel. And, And Moses said that there would be a greater prophet that would come after him, and he'd even do greater things. Wow! Could this be the prophet who is to come? All right, they were excited. Wow! And you know what happens? They begin to say to themselves, you know, wouldn't it be great if he was king? Ah, let's make him king. 5,000 people are going to rush Jesus and force him to be their king. Only problem, Jesus didn't want to be their king. But could you imagine the temptation? Jesus slips away from them up into the mountains. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Well, Jesus walks on the water that night and he goes to and goes up by Capernaum. And the next day, the Followers don't, the seekers don't see him there, so they start walking around the shore. They get to Capernaum, and Jesus is there. They look at Jesus and say, when did you get here? And Jesus decides it's now time, it's now time to confront. And he says to them, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Someone in the crowd asks what the crowd is thinking. What must we do? What must we do to do the works God requires? Now that's a great seeker question. If you're a seeker this morning, I hope you're asking that question. What work must we do to... To do the works that God requires. What must I do? What must I do? And Jesus says, Jesus answered, said, The work of God is this. Drum roll, please. The work of God is this: to climb up the highest mountain on your bare knees. To kiss every rock as you're on your way up. To spit until you're absolutely dry. To become delirious and then roll down the mountain in an ecstatic estate. And when you've gotten to the bottom of the mountain, do it again. One thousand times. No, that's not what he said. The work of God is this, he said. To believe in the one he has sent. To believe? Just believe? Oh, it's harder than you think. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. It's not works. It's belief in me. Now, miracle faith and bread faith are not enough, Jesus is saying. You must have eternal life faith. You must trust in me alone for your salvation, for your eternal life. You don't trust me plus yourself. You don't trust me plus your works. You trust me for your eternal life. Then Jesus uses a very strong metaphor to express the idea of continuously trusting in Him to experience abundant and eternal life. He says this, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He who feeds on me is the bread of life. He who drinks of me is the drink of life. will have eternal life. It's faith. Believe in me. Now, many of those who were listening to Jesus agreed to this. They listened and they said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And we read in John, From that time, many of his seeking disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now again, get the picture. Be there. Watch 5,000 men get up with their wives and their children, turn around and say, we're going home. Well, what a scene. And then, and in fact, Jesus even turns to his 12, and he says to his 12, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? I mean, we've been everywhere. Who? Who? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, what are some of the observations we can make here about seekers? As we look at this, what observations can we make from this story? Let me just give you a couple. Number one. Most seekers are not finders. They remain lost. They're kind of like the song that you 2 made famous. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And why is that? Why is it that, that most seekers do not become finders and most seekers remain lost? Well, this is because we seek and worship God as we in our human pride, imagine him to be. And not as he really is. God in the Old Testament declares that his name is Yahweh. And he says, my name is this. I am who I am. I am am who I am. I am not who you want me to be. I, I am not who you imagine me to be. I'm not who you make me to be, and I'm not who you distort me to be. All of those are just images and idols. They don't exist. Jesus tells these seekers, Very truly, I tell you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs I performed to lead you to the spiritual bread that will give you eternal life, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill and want a bread king, that's what you want. You just want a you want a king who will give you bread. And and if he doesn't give and by bread we say those seekers weren't seeking the God who is there. They were seeking a king of their own imaginations, whose purpose was to give them bread, to give them comfort, to give them happiness. To, to give them ease, to give them security, so that nobody else in their family ever dies. And, and if God doesn't do that, they walk away. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. God says three times in the Bible, there is no one who seeks God. Now, when God says something once in the Bible, we should believe it. But when he has to repeat it three times, why does he do it? Because we just don't get it. God says, there's no one who seeks after me. And these, these seekers weren't seeking the God who was there either. They were seeking a king of their imagination whose purpose was to give them bread. They were seeking things that they wanted. Not a personal, ongoing faith relationship with God that Jesus called daily eating of my body and drinking of my blood. A close, intimate relationship with God. Here's the God who created all of eternity in all of His greatness, and He says, I want a personal relationship with you. Ooh. They were seeking simplistic answers, not hard teaching. I just want simple answers. Everybody says this. I just want simple answers. Just make it really simple. Just make it really simple. So that somehow simple is virtuous. But we have to be careful about simplistic is different from simple. They, want, they wanted simplistic answers that made, that made them, th- that they, not hard teaching. Hard teaching made them think outside their pre- preconceived notions about God and truth. Here, here's the box. Here's the box. And they say, God has to fit in this box because this is how I imagine God to be. And he is my God. He's like this. And Jesus starts teaching to them, no, God is like this and I am like this. And they say, no, thank you. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's kind of like Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and says, you're a great teacher. And Jesus begins to teach him and he starts sputtering. How can this be? How can this be? How can this be? You don't fit in my box. And Jesus says, that's right, I don't fit in your box. You have to be born anew to see and understand what I'm talking about and really see the kingdom of God. You know, a God that fits our human imagination and our human understanding wouldn't be big enough to be God. He's just a man-made idol. Jesus wasn't the God of their imagination it wasn't he wasn't the god they were seeking and so they said I still haven't found what I'm looking for I'm on my way out you know the, the real truth is this it is god who must first seek after us and by his grace transform us to be seekers after him as he really is now that's a real downer for our human pride I'm in charge. It's all about me. I make the decisions. I'm the captain of my own ship. And Jesus says, no, I'm the one who goes seeking the lost sheep, not you. In John 6, 43, in in this message to these people, he says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Well, that's rather sobering. This is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless the Father has enabled them. Whoa. Now, here's the thing. God draws people to Himself. And if you've been seeking God and you've been seeking after Him and He's drawing you to Himself, the question that you're asking right now is what must I do? What must I do to do the work that God requires? The same question they were asking Jesus says this, the work of God is this, to believe. To believe in the one he has sent. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus is saying to you, move beyond miracle faith. You believe that Jesus can do miracles, that's great. Move beyond bread faith. You believe that that Jesus can give you security, that Jesus can give you food, and Jesus can take care of the other parts of your life. But move beyond that. Move to eternal life faith. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your life. Abundant life. Eternal life. Trust in Jesus Christ alone. Accept Jesus' invitation. Come. Believe in me. As your source of new life from above. Eternal life. Now I said it was Jesus who seeks after us. Revelation 3.20 Jesus says this. Behold. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice. And opens the door. I will come into him promise and eat with him and he with me and here's the really great news i bring the bread and wine that's jesus invitation to us jesus is saying when i come into you i'm going to eat with you in other words if this is a relationship i am going to begin an everlasting relationship with you I will bring the bread and the wine and we will feed and we will go on throughout all eternity together. Now, the 12 had taken this step. Their search was over. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Hey, we've gone that way and said, that's not what I'm looking for. We've gone this way. That's not what I'm looking for. But then you opened our eyes and we saw you. And they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. They've become finders. How about you? Open the door. Invite Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Savior, into your life. Do it today. You know, there's no virtue in remaining a seeker. It's much better being a finder. Know Jesus, receive him. And then just quickly, I want to move and just say just a few minutes, a few observations for those of you who are in the other three chairs about those in chair one. Here's the message. You've seen the fish. Here in John chapter six, you've seen the fish. These are the fish that Jesus has called you to fish for. So fish. Fish, fish, and fish. They're all around you. They're the people who are around you. Jesus brought his 12 along to teach them to fish for men. They were seeing what he was doing. They were his apprentices. They were learning so that they could do it as well as Jesus. So fish. Be engaged intentionally in fishing. The second observation is this. Most fish will swim away. Mm. (laughs) Don't I know that? Jesus Jesus saw many seekers that day turn away. after, After he had done much teaching with them. After he had done much miracle working with them and before them. After he had fed them and done this great miracle. They get up. And they turn away. That did not stop Jesus from fishing, nor should it stop you. You should say, well, most people I talk to, they're not interested. I, th- that's why I don't do it. <laughs> I'm glad Jesus didn't stop after this day. This did not stop him from fishing, nor should it stop you. Don't think for a moment... That Jesus is embarrassed by the results from this day of fishing. Don't think that Jesus turned to his disciples as the people were walking away and said, Hey guys, I really blew it today. Don't, 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 Don't do what I did today. Don't ever do it or you're going to lose the fish too. He wasn't embarrassed at all. In fact, Jesus was teaching his 12 to use only the right bait. This was a very successful day for fishing. Use only the right bait. Always use the hard teaching. In other words, always use the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is this. We are all, every one of us, lost sinners. And we are all blind seekers. Walking in all sorts of different directions. We all must be born anew by the Holy Spirit to see God as he really is and ourselves as the sinners we really are, and his kingdom as it really is. We all must believe and receive Jesus to be saved from eternal death, and to receive the wonderful gift of eternal life. Don't change that, babe. Don't change the right babe for something that they will take. Jesus didn't say to the crowd as he saw them turning away, oh my goodness, i got to change my message. Turn around, turn around. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. You're not all sinners. You're really nice people. And, and, and you can get to heaven just by doing all the good you want to do. Didn't do that. Use the bait. And those seeking the right bait will come just like Peter had and James and John. Jesus knows that there are true seekers. And we know that also. God was giving them to him, was drawing them to him, was enabling them to come to him. And these were the ones who were going for the bait. They were responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and being saved. So, if that's true, if God is drawing, then fish. You're going to catch fish. Continue to, to seek to win men for Jesus Christ. And then the last quick thing is this. The great commandment is embodied in the second great The Great Commission is embodied in the second great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' method we see here for reaching people was to love people into the kingdom of God. Love them into the kingdom of God. Jesus loved people. He He loved them honestly and sincerely. He loved them and he sought to meet their needs. Whether their need was food and bread physically, whether it was to see proof, That he was indeed the Messiah by the miracles he did. If if they needed teaching, he gave them teaching. Whatever their need was, he sought to meet their need. He intentionally loved them. And And then God would draw those to himself into his kingdom. So what do we do? How do we start? Be like Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. Intentionally love your neighbors no matter what. Seek to meet their needs. Try to understand what their needs are and continue to meet the needs of your neighbors and don't stop loving them as Jesus does. And just make your spiritual life just another part of your everyday conversation. You are not just a physical person. You know your, your soul and spirit. So talk about your spiritual life. Hey, I prayed for you today. How are you doing? I'm glad that that's an answer to prayer. You know, God really blessed me the other day. Make it part of your conversation. Don't be weird about it. Just make it a casual part. And then wait and be alert for the fish that God is drawing to Jesus Christ. Okay, you love Him; he draws them. Pretty good, huh? So here's the big idea. Two parts to it. This morning, if you are a seeker, if you've been seeking, hear Jesus' voice today and His knocking at the door of your heart. Open your life to Jesus and to an eternal relationship with Him. If you open, He will come in. And John tells us, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he says, the record is this, God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Also, if you are in chair two, three, or four, love your neighbors intentionally and let God draw men and women to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Right on.